Welcome to the Penny and Pops podcast. He's Spencer Penny Strode. I'm Adam Pops Papa Giorgio. Orlando might be looking a little more attractive to Cal Kuzma now that LeBron torpedoed the Lakers. And your Orlando Magic are coming off a home win against Dallas. Let's go. Whoa, 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 whoa. Get out the way, get out the way, get out the way, yeah. yeah. Get out the way, get the fuck up on my way, yeah. yeah. You either with me or against me, ho. You either with me or win. Win, 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 win. Fuck everything else. Win, 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 win. Yes, I'm going to stick with this song for a while because all we need the magic to do is just keep winning. Speaking of winning, the Magic, you know, we're, we're recording this Saturday at noon. So last night, the Magic came off a victory against Dallas. We'll get to that in a second. We'll focus first on the loss in Philadelphia. But we do want to say that uh, later in the show, we're going to debut something called Magical Moments. Uh, Penny and I have a lot of uh, stories to share, some more wackier than others. I'm sure he'll agree, but uh, we'll debut that. And then we also have a... Uh, a little game as well where uh, Spencer has a list of five people and I have a list of five people of uh, which person is next most likely to be inducted into the Magic Hall of Fame. So David Steele, congratulations, sir. You deserve it. David was the eighth person inducted into the Magic Hall of Fame. And so uh, Penny and I will, uh, we haven't seen each other's list, but we'll, we'll decide who the ninth member will be. So looking forward to that. But Penny, let's get down to, let's talk about the uh, Magic's loss to Philadelphia on Tuesday. It was a 114-106 loss. Uh, you can jump in whenever, as uh, you know, I, I like rambling a little bit too much, so feel free to break it up. I think they, overall, I don't think they deserve to win the game, and that was what was disappointing, that in the midst of this playoff push, they didn't really show up, and still, they had a shot in the fourth quarter where if they made a couple of baskets, uh, they could have stole one, as opposed to pissing it away. Yeah, so leading into the game, uh, you know, the Magic knew that Philadelphia didn't have both Joel Embiid or Boban Marjanovic. They were rolling out... uh, Amir Johnson and Mike Scott at center, which actually proved to be an issue for Vooch because uh, I guess uh, Nikola Vucevic doesn't really like dealing with small guys at center, maybe. I don't know. We can maybe talk about what happened with that. Um, you know, the Magic, though, didn't have Terrence Ross. He was out with a sore left Achilles tendon. Troy Copain, Copain got <laughs> activated uh, before the game. We'll talk about him in a bit here, too. But, uh, yeah, the Magic had gone into it, split with Philly 1-1. You know, they lost a, a heartbreaker in October in Philly, um, and then uh, in which Redick, J.J. Redick had 31 points in that one. And then the Magic ended up getting the, uh, the revenge matchup uh, in November, which was Jimmy Butler's first game with Philadelphia. So we were going in 1-1. Um, of course, J.J. Redick going into this game Tuesday night was uh, actually struggling coming out of the All-Star break. So you know what happens when guys uh, struggle coming into a game against the Naturally, Magic. Naturally, they get off on the Magic. And by J.J. Redick's standards, he was actually really struggling. He was uh, averaging 10 points per game on 25% shooting. So, of course, he was going to go off. Uh, the Magic, who need to burn their white jerseys, wore their white jerseys both Tuesday and Friday night. Um they uh, they ended up, because Ross wasn't playing, they actually experimented with an Isaiah Briscoe-DJ uh, Augustine backcourt a little bit there. Briscoe didn't start, but he was uh, you know one of the first guys off the bench. Um, of course, Jonathan Simmons uh, from the Markel Fultz trade, he actually had a fairly respectable showing by 
by his standards of nowadays because he's been terrible. Yeah, yeah, he's he's been terrible, but in this Philly game, he actually played respectable off the bench, and respectable is, is really what they're looking for. And he managed to hit the quarter-closing shot that he shot about 8% on for us this year. Yeah, I mean, speaking about that first quarter, I mean, there was it was really high score, and the Magic, for the most part, that whole game played no defense. And we even got a Jarrell Martin first quarter sighting, which is very, very rare nowadays. Um, you know, the Magic were down 39-34 uh, in the first quarter. Aaron Gordon was really pushing the Magic. He had 14 points in that opening period. Um, ben Simmons, he didn't really have that great of a game, and yet he almost pretty much ended up with a triple-double. And it's going to be scary when that guy develops a shot. He's kind of on the Giannis Adetokounmpo kind of scale where if he can't shoot, then put a bunch of shooters around him and let him go to work. And his size is, is a big issue. Um, the Sixers, even because they were short on centers, they even rolled out Justin Patton, which was his second career NBA game, his first game with the Sixers. Um, you know, I, I, he actually just scored his first NBA basket last night. Yeah, so his That's scoring we wasn't his his scoring wasn't the issue. Um, it was, I guess, his just his defense and big body, big body, just somebody to throw it at Vooch. And I don't know what did you see with Vooch that made him struggle from the field overall because he had a very quiet first half. And I, I don't know that this was a game where he needed to really be more assertive, and he just looked frustrated in the contest. I. Vucevic, I don't want to say he's a finesse player because obviously we've seen him take it to the rack strong yeah. and, you know, he finishes, but he's um, he's a skill player, right? So uh, a lot of his shots that he gets are mid-range looks or the, you know, the left-hand, right-hand hook from just outside of the paint. And those are touch shots. And I think oftentimes when the touch isn't quite there, it gets really frustrating. And to speak to your point about him having some issues with, with smaller centers... It's, it's hard when you have a big body like that and the smaller center also has a strong wide base. That's why guys like Chuck Hayes stuck around and played the five position in Houston for so long that they, they get up under you and push you just enough off your spot that those little touch shots hit the back of the rim, the front of the rim, and then that kind of builds mentally throughout the game, yeah. I think. It's just, it's just surprising because I actually think Vooch has a really good base for a center. That's right. why he's been able to continue to, to star so well. But I guess in this game, I don't know, it's just some of it with Amir Johnson, some with Patton, something with... Mike Scott, just they, they were able to just get him off his spots in the post just enough. And, I mean, look, Vooch is one of the league leaders in box outs. The man has good form, get good technique right. overall. And based off of how he would perform in the next game against Dallas, I just consider that maybe a one-off. Maybe he kind of had a, a mental letdown knowing he wasn't going up against MB because he usually plays good against the Sixers. I mean, the Sixers are the team he, right. who drafted him. You know, he actually did play a little bit in the playoffs his rookie season with them. But, uh, you know, the Magic, again, continued to play no defense in that first half. Philly led 70-64 to 64 at halftime. Uh, the 70 points is the most that the Magic ended up giving up, have given up to an opponent in the first half of the season. Philly was shooting like 61%. Former Magic guys, you know, J.J. Redick, he had 19 points at the break. Tobias Harris had 13 it probably wasn't a good sign that Jimmy Butler didn't get his first field goal until midway through the third period. That put Philly up by 11, and you kind of... He was on the slow burn. 
Yeah, and the Magic were missing a lot of open looks and whatnot. But I mean, this team—they thrive off defense. They're, you know, they're still a pretty subpar offensive team. And the only reason they win—they've been winning games of late—is with their defense. Well, I mean, the the standard that Steve Clifford has set, uh, set, I think, is interesting. Coming, you know, going into the break and coming out of the break, the Magic, I think, were number two in defensive efficiency. And since that point in the win one, lose one, win two, lose two, they've dropped to seventh, which is still good out of 30, right? But that's below the Steve Clifford standard. And he has said explicitly and out in the media that the Mm -hmm. Magic need to be a top two, top three defensive team to have a shot at closing the season, you know, and sneaking into the playoffs. Yeah, and even through the third quarter, it felt like the Magic's defense was progressively getting worse as the game progressed. Philly was getting a whole bunch of you know, up-close buckets with very little resistance. Um, Aaron Gordon was literally keeping the Magic within single digits in the third quarter. Um, you know, you mentioned Jonathan Simmons. He hit that buzzer beater to beat the clock in the at the end of the third quarter. The Magic trailed by a dozen going into that fourth quarter where Philly was still shooting 54%. So obviously something had to give. Either Philly was going to keep shooting a ridiculously high percentage or the Magic were going to go on a run. And they did go on a run. You know, the Magic opened that fourth quarter on a 6-0 run. They they were fueled by two cleanup buckets by Kem Birch, who, again, bringing the energy. You know, we talk about how, you know, we shouldn't be rushing Mo Bamba back. I think both John Hammond and Jeff Waltman have been on record this weekend saying that, you know, Mo Bamba's out of the boot, but, you know, he's not. Don't expect him to play anytime soon. And Kem is a big reason because of that. Um, and then Evan Fournier took some really awful shots oh, that Christ. killed that killed the momentum. Um, you know, eventually, uh, you know, the Magic did go on a run after Fournier miraculously did hit a three. But again, we, we've talked about this. It's not the, the shot making. It's everything that leads up to him having to take like that shot because of all the momentum that goes away in the play he's either you know aimlessly kind of moving around maybe using a a pick and roll a pick and roll or kind of doing his thing in the corner and then it's like oh crap i'm gonna force up an 18 footer or like a 25 footer and it just seems like they come at the most back-breaking time that he and it's not even like he's coming off a shot that he just hit and it's a little mini heat check or he's trying to build momentum but he makes the decision that a sidestep 18 foot jump shot is the best decision for that possession and it never is even when it goes in it's never the best decision and yet you know he makes that three midway through the fourth and then a vooch put back dunk cuts the deficit to 101 99 it was a 9-0 run at that point and then i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you the sequence of of, of magic offensive events that happens all right let's relive it so vooch then misses a wide open three-pointer aaron that's wide open. Great look. Aaron misses a post up attempt, usually one that he actually does convert. Right. You know, we we Aaron's done a good job, especially of late, where if he has anyone that he feels he has a size advantage of against, he's posting them up, and it's actually been working pretty well of late. But it didn't work there. Evan misses a three pointer. Go figure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Vooch missed the shot put attempt. I, I, I you know the little quick yeah. like yeah. it's an actual shot put basically. So. With 3.31 to go in the game, Philly were still up two. They have the ball, and then the Magic get yet another stop. They call a timeout finally. You think Steve Clifford, who's been great at you know out of timeout plays and whatnot all season long, he you know you think okay the Magic are going to find a way to you know to draw you know, to tie it or take the lead here. 
And so Evan ends up missing a drive shot, yeah. a drive attempt. And then Jimmy Butler hits a turnaround jumper. The turnaround jumper ended a five-minute Philadelphia scoring drought. So the Magic, they squandered the chance right then and there to pretty much claim it at that point, you feel like. Um, you know, the Magic were still only down three with a minute to go. Mike Scott hits a dagger three. Uh, you know, Philly to double the lead up to six for Philly. Mike Scott had three triples in the game. You know, you go from just a veteran guy that you kind of keep dug on your bench for situations where Embiid's hurt or Boban's hurt, and he he killed the magic there. Four-point deficit left, and then Vucevic gets a steal off of Philadelphia inbound. And Vuce just kind of does the hot potato thing where he's trying to either outlet to DJ or Evan, and nope, not quite. Fremble Ruski. Look, he's the MVP of this team this season. As much as people want to tout Terrence Ross's human torch, you know, shooting abilities, but Vooch is the guy. He's the guy that's constantly getting those over 20 point per game, over 10 rebound per game at nights every night. And his defense has significantly improved. I mean, he got the steal off the inbound. He did the hard part. And then right. he, he really just tried to do a little too much playmaking creativity to where instead of just just coming down with the ball and then giving it up, you know, he, he, he thought, you know, okay, we're low on time. Let me just quickly get this out to, you know, to one of my guards. And it just, it didn't work out. And that was basically the end. Fournier did finish with 25 points, but it's a very frustrating 25 points in my mind. The Um, box score looks great for him, but the eye test did not match up in my opinion. No. And then Aaron Gordon finished with 24 points, nine rebounds. Good showing overall from him. Yep. Reddick killed the Magic with 26 points. Tobias Harris, 21 points, 12 rebounds. He's actually averaging more points per game in Philly than he was with the Clippers even. And if he was in the East, he would have been an all-star this year, oh, for obviously. Sure. Yeah. And it just it didn't work. Booch finished 5 of 15 shooting from the game for the game. He did record his uh, career-best 47th double-double in a season. So, again, Vooch doing all-star Vooch things. Yep. Uh, Steve Clifford, after the game, he was kind of more annoyed than anything. He was saying how the first eight points for Mike Scott came from missed pick-and-roll defense. And that's just one player he clearly noticed. So who knows how many other uh, defensive mistakes they, they spotted in the film. But Cliff has not been a happy man this week. No, and uh, we'll we'll get to the to the next game here in a second. Um, you know, he also said that the Magic missed a lot of open looks and that our defense was awful in the first half, great in the second half, just kind of Jekyll and Hyde stuff that your typical basketball person easily could have spotted. I I would argue that our defense didn't even get good until early in the fourth quarter. So yeah. Magic lose 114-106. The Magic fell out of a three-way tie for eighth with Miami and Charlotte, and so now they've got to do a little bit of trailing. That was a deflating loss, and then coming out of that game, and obviously before the Dallas game on Friday, we learned that Isaiah Briscoe has been trying to play through a meniscus tear, and uh, he's going to evaluate his options, and he'll be out for the foreseeable future, which brings Jerry and Grant back into the picture. Actually, do we call him Jerry, or do we call him Jaron? Because we've had this thing where midway through the season— now, all of a sudden, he goes by Jaron instead of Jaron. Right. And I'm looking at his basketball reference, and it does look like it says Jaron all of a sudden. I don't know. So I, I'm going to pronounce lo- his looks, name the way lo- that he wants when he actually provides something on the court. But I will say that one of the frustrating things watching, and look, Briscoe's taken full advantage of his opportunity in the backup role for all of the games and minutes that he's played. But that Philly game, watching TJ McConnell repeatedly break him down and uh, you know, one of the things that Jaron Grant does have going for him is his 
length. Yeah. And I think that... He's 6'4", and he's... He's deep. got the requisite wingspan that we're looking for. Um, and Cliff has played him as, you know, offense, defense, substitutions, and crunch time earlier this year. Yeah. So hopefully if he's not going to be a plus on offense, at least he'll be in more passing lanes and kind of make the opposing point guards have to go a further direction wide around him than straight line drives into the paint. Yeah, and we'll, we can mention it a little bit. I mean, I thought Grant did fine in the Dallas game Friday or last night. You know, the Magic won 111-106. He uh, hit look, shots. He hit, he hit a few shots. He, he, set, uh, he, he moved the ball around fairly well when he didn't have to dribble it. The problem right. is, is when he does have to dribble it, he gets a little aimless. He kind of just kills the flow a little bit. The decision-making is not great. So, I mean, Briscoe, he's got that small meniscus tear in his right knee. You know, the MR, the, they found that out through the MRI. And again, you know, like you said, they're looking at treatments. Do we think he's out for the rest of the regular season? I or? would be surprised if he played again. I mean, I hear meniscus tear. Even like, I don't know what does a small tear qualify as. Like, what, you know, if they're looking at treatment plants, does rest make a small tear go away? Who knows? Right. But I, I would be stunned if we see him at least through the rest of this month maybe you know in fact through april but um you know the magic won 111 106 they had two days off to rest and prep for this game that's going to become a bit of a trend here in the next week or two where we can actually benefit from some rest and some practice so we're hitting that stretch now which began with this dallas game where the magic need to win a lot a if lot. not all of these next seven or so games the very vast majority of them you know they had dallas last night Sunday, they're in Memphis. Who's been playing well as of late, even without Jaron Jackson Jr. Because Joachim Noah is a freaking madman, and right. he's he's ruining Memphis's tank. Which we'll we'll look at some tankathon stuff yeah. here in a bit too. However, um, you know the Magic then get another two days off before they play the Wizards in DC on Wednesday, and then they do have to come home for a back to back the next night Thursday against the Cavaliers who they've been frisky. Obviously, the Magic lost to them in Cleveland just last week. Um, and so... At least payback will be on the mind. Yeah, especially since Cleveland couldn't win in Miami last night. Um, but all of a sudden, Kevin loves playing, and they, they look frisky. And yeah. again, we'll, we'll look at some tankathon stuff here because all these teams the Magic are playing should be tanking. You know, after that Thursday, they then, you know, Sunday, March 17th, they're home still against Atlanta so they get that Friday and Saturday off another two days off and then they get yet another two days off going into Wednesday March 20th when the Magic host the New Orleans Pelicans who may or may not play Anthony Davis we don't know what's going on right. with that and then you host Memphis so you're playing Memphis twice uh, you know Friday March to the 22nd so you get a day off so I mean there's these, you know, once the Magic come back from D.C., they have all these home games. They have a five-game homestand where they're all lottery teams until you you host the Sixers on Monday, March 25th. Yeah, and not only are you playing subpar teams, but as you mentioned— And it's another two you, days off after that. Practice time, yeah. rest time, recovery time. And look, overall, I think to circle back and kind of put a bow on that Dallas game— uh, Vooch right there at his season averages. Terrence Ross back healthy, bounce back game. But I think the star player of that game for me, I wanted to touch on briefly, was Aaron Gordon. And, you know, the offense was fine, but I think defensively he really took the challenge of being the primary defender on Luka Doncic and 
really frustrated the shit out of him, I thought. Yeah, Luka was 3 of 10 from the field in the first half. He got his in the second right. half because Luka is, is amazing. And, you know, we may focus in the future where <laughs> the Magic should have done more to maybe trade up and get him. But, I mean, even the Hawks now that they got Trey Young, Trey Young's looking pretty decent overall. But we'll focus more on the on the on the magic in this Dallas game and Troy Troy Copain. Again, we're recording this Saturday at noon. Troy Copain just got his contract transferred back from Lakeland to the Magic yet again, and he's going to be probably seeing some minutes if if Grant can't can't get it going the way Briscoe was uh, from a production standpoint off the bench, but. I'm going to give you some numbers for Copain. Uh, so in 44 games that he's played and started for the Lakeland Magic, he's averaging 16.3 points per game, 5.7 rebounds per game, 5.4 assists in about 34 minutes on 47% shooting uh, from the field, including 38.7% from three-point range. Yeah, he's been having a great year, and I think also it's important to note that Lakeland as a team, as we touched on in the last episode, they've been having a great year too, so he's doing he's doing this in a winning team performances too. Yeah, along with the Magic being bad over the past couple of years, the Erie Bayhawks were arguably the worst, one of the worst teams, if not the worst G League teams in that league for quite a few years, and and then last year they had another bad year, even though they they'd moved to Lakeland. And then this year the Lakeland Magic are going to very likely make the playoffs here now. So we'll be exciting to maybe see a little bit of that. Um, again, we want to focus more on the main right. team and the main run. Anyway, focus into Dallas. Dallas needs the tank, and they've lost quite a few in a row here lately. But I know that because that they're currently seventh the seventh worst team in the league they actually need to have their draft pick one through five right. for them to keep it or else it goes to Atlanta and that's from the Trey Young Luka Doncic trade so counting this loss that just occurred to the Magic Dallas has now lost four in a row they're still tied with the seventh worst record in the league with Washington and there's quite a few games back of Atlanta um, and so you know, if they can get maybe that sixth worst record, that'll put them kind of in play to maybe leap up a few spots, depending on how the ping pong pong balls go. Because again, there's no incentive for being the worst te- team or the second worst team or the third worst team. You know, the top the the, the three bottom seeds equally have a 14% shot at getting the number one pick. Right. And even if you're fourth, which the Bulls, so right now the three worst teams in the league are the Knicks, Phoenix, and Cleveland which Cleveland needs to keep that in mind as they when they when we play them yeah. again but also Chicago they're they have the fourth worst record and their odds are still pretty good at 12.5%. That's only 1.5%, you know, worse odds than if they were a bottom 3 worst team. But anyway, so Dallas need to focus on tanking. Their roster is a lot different from when the Magic lost by 25 points in Dallas back in December. Oof. That came before the two surprising games in Mexico City, our our second home I guess now. Yeah. But I mean their team's a lot different since they did the Kristaps Porzingis trade um with the Knicks and I mean Harrison Barnes isn't on that team anymore. Magic didn't even have to worry about uh, Magic Killer J.J. Barea, who's been out. Uh, Max Kleber, who's been a feisty big man for them, he was out. So they started Doncic, Jalen Brunson, Tim Hardaway Jr., Dorian Finney-Smith, and Dwight Powell. On paper, immediately, you expect the Magic to win that game. Yeah. And they got off to a good start, thankfully, after a little bit of shakiness at the very beginning. You know, the Magic were up 21-12, eight minutes into the game. Isaac was 
outstanding uh, from the beginning. He had nine points and four boards in that stretch. He's shooting it with such confidence. It's really exciting to see. So I saw on Twitter, at uh, Keanu Cargar says that Jonathan Isaac, since February 9th, has been averaging 14.4 points per game, 5.6 rebounds per game, 1.9 blocks on 51.1% field goal shooting and 42.9 three-point shooting. That's really freaking good. Great run. So that's something to keep in mind as we get through this run to the end of the season now because he's played over 82 games now in his young career so far. He's no longer a rookie by game standards. And, and there's no reason he can't keep up that kind of production, even the three-point shooting. He's getting mm-hmm. wide open corner three looks, and once defenses start closing out on that, then it opens up the driving lane for him to use his length and finish at the rim. So I think, the you know, as we know, the sky is the limit. Um, the Magic did get Terrence Ross back, so the two days served their purpose. I guess he had some type of mystery illness, too. It's Florida. We're in we're in March now. It could be allergies. It could be flu. Who freaking knows? But he played despite that, and the I guess the sore left the sore Achilles is feeling a lot better. He immediately came, went into torch mode and he hit back to back threes. So I think Terrence is going to be fine. Yeah. Um, Dirk Nowitzki. He turned back the clock a little bit for game us. of the year. Well, yeah, he's tied a season high with uh, 15 points. He was part of the uh, fourth quarter run that they ended up having. Uh, Paul Porter gave him a nice little uh, intro in, when he checked in. A lot of Amway Center fans were really excited to see Dirk. I mean, they gave him a heck of an ovation. Uh, or as loud as they can. It was a pretty good ovation. Yeah, it, it, it was louder for Dirk than most Magic players get. Let's, let's put it that way. I know you have a gripe about everyone sending Dirk off to the retirement home too early, making a decision for him. Look, if, if the team wants him there, and if Mark Cuban, the guy who's writing the checks wants him there and Dirks feels like hanging around let him hang around so what if his average if his career averages fall a little bit you know the guy's got a ring he's an MVP I mean I mean he's a legend let the man go out on his his terms like people were trying to push out Tim Duncan like five years before he even did and so if Dirk's still shooting, I mean, if Dirk's still shooting the way he's shooting it doesn't matter if he can barely move up and down the court just find him and now, what ended up hurting them in this game is they went into zone defense a little bit when Dirk did show up, and the Magic feasted on that. Thank God. Yeah. They they went to the hole. Vooch had a huge dunk. AG went to the rack a few times. Um, you know, Courtney, uh, I'm going back to the first quarter, but Courtney Lee, good old Courtney Lee, still has his home in Orlando. God bless the guy. Yeah. Uh, nice know. to see him again. He hit, a buzzer, on the court. he hit a buzzer-beating three to cut the Magic's lead to 29-19 at the end of the first quarter. The Magic held Dallas to 33% shooting, so the defense had shown up, although maybe not in Steve Clifford's mind because at the end of the game, Clifford was talking about how he actually was very disappointed in the Magic's defense, how Dallas had missed a whole wide-open shots. I I don't know about that. I thought the first half overall was pretty good, but you mentioned he was upset about some blown coverages in the Philly game, and you could tell that whatever the game plan in uh, game plan that was installed during shootaround or practice the day before, uh, there were definitely blown assignments, and I think that's what really pissed him off. Yeah, with no J.J. Beret in the game, Jalen Brunson kind of put on his Magic Killer hat a little bit there and uh, you know, kind of kept Dallas going there for a bit. But the Magic led 62-47 at the break. Orlando was shooting 8 of 15 on threes when you're shooting over 50% from downtown. It's probably a good half for you. Yeah. Um, you know, Ross had 14 points at that point. Isaac was 11-6. and six. 
Vooch had an enormous second period where just in that, you know, he, he was up to 11 points and nine boards. Um, you know, the Magic were still holding Dallas to under 40% shooting. And then the third quarter happened, and uh, Dallas opened the third on a 10-2 run. And I think this is where Clifford's mi- mind is going to focus on yeah, when they review sure. the, as they're reviewing the film, probably right now, or if they haven't already, you know, this morning. But, uh, you know, the Magic were looking very lazy on both ends. DJ Augustine, he had 10 points in those first six minutes of the third quarter. Single-handedly made it in that the Magic, it. yeah, where the Magic didn't collapse, thankfully. Um, you know, then the Magic had that stretch where they got three straight three-pointers from Isaac Vooch and Ross to put it back up 15. And so we're home free, right? Yeah, I mean the Magic were up 19 points going into the fourth quarter. And then, well, first the good, the Magic actually probably had their best play of the game, where Aaron kind of has a bad turnover, coughs it up to Courtney Lee, and then uh, he gets a huge recovery block on Courtney at the rim. Um, then Ag saves the ball from going out of bounds, gets it to Ross. Ross goes the other way with it, jukes the living hell out of Dwight Powell for a, a wide open three pointer. I mean, it was probably the most smoothest juke I've seen in a while from any Magic player. I think everyone in the building collectively knew as the move was happening that the three was going to drop too, and that was cool. And then the game got kind of physical. There's some weird fouls going on where Dirk's like tackling the living hell out of Isaac, <laughs> and um, uh, DJ Augustine gets pushed into the into the first row where some poor guy got his beer spilled all over him. <laughs> um, David Steele classically pointed out that there are no free re- refills at the Amway Center. No free refills and no drink service after the third quarter either. So can, can I point out that if I'm spending several thousand dollars for that seat right yeah, there. Um, a lid? You want can, a lid? Well, can I get a refill? Well, like, that too. Can I get a new beer? Like, I, If I'm spending that much money, I, I kind of want a free beer. Can I get a voucher for Harry Buffalo on the way out? <laughs> God. Oh, man. But then the magic kind of collapsed. Not kind of. They, they, they did. They, yeah. they almost blew it. You know, Finney Smith gets a put-back dunk to cut the magic lead to nine with three minutes to go. Doncic hits a bucket to cut the lead to seven. Then Fournier pisses off a little bit more. And then uh, Trey Burke's first basket of the game cuts the lead to five. But that's thankfully as far as it got. The Magic won 111-106. Not the way you wanted to finish it. Steve Clifford was very, very unhappy after the game. Hot. Um, You know, Terrence Ross had a great game coming back. 22 points. He made six of 11 three-pointers. Vooch, 22, uh, 20 points, 13 boards, six assists. AG, 18 and six. Isaac, 14 and nine. Jaron Grant, he uh, had the best plus-minus of the game at plus 13. I guess this is where we're like, ah, eh, maybe we shouldn't look at plus-minus so right. much. But uh, Doncic, despite having a very quiet first half, had 24 points. Jalen Brunson had 18 and, uh, you know, Clifford, as I said earlier, st- said Dallas missed a lot of open shots in the first half and that the Magic had a bad approach to the game. And look, that's one of those things that the coach has to say, right? But they, they did enough to win the ball game, and that's the most important thing. They, did they play down to the competition? Not really, but they did in the fourth quarter, and it made things interesting. But I don't think even for all the foibles that we've had throughout this year and pissing away double-digit leads, I don't think we thought that the game was going to go all the way over into a loss. And worse for the Magic, I guess, is they didn't really gain any ground in the standings at all. Thanks, Bradley uh, Beal. Yeah. Well, in fairness, you know, the, the Hornets did hold off against the Wizards. Uh, Literally. At, at some point, but the I'd like to see the two-minute report today probably where Bobby Portis does get held under the basket, and he probably should have either won the game or had the chance to go to the free throw line to win the game. 
really should have. And we kind of dismissed the Wizards, but had they won that game, they actually would have probably been back in the conversation, but they lost. They're still three games back of the Magic. So I already said Charlotte you know, won. Um, they're again tied for the Magic in ninth, but the Magic have played two more games than both Charlotte and Miami, who Miami, despite being tied at the half with Cleveland, they ended up blowing Cleveland out in the second half. And so the Magic are chasing the Heat, uh, who are a game in front of them. And then also, uh, you know, the Bulls were up 17 points on Detroit at halftime. And uh, Chicago uh, went on, uh, Chicago blew it, and they let Detroit come back, and uh, Detroit won. So The Jim Boylan special. Yeah, and so the Magic literally gained no, no progress in the standings. Uh, if we look at it real quick, first off, I just want to point out, Detroit's won four in a row in eight of the last ten games. And I actually don't think the Magic will be able to catch them now. Because I'm going to look at, this, at the next schedule here for them. But Detroit, they actually play the Bulls again on Sunday. But instead of in Chicago, they host them in Detroit. And then they play at Brooklyn and at Miami. So there's a lot of uh, standings watching that we're going to be doing this week. Time. Um, then they, have, they host the Lakers and the Raptors at home. Who knows what the Lakers are going to do. And God knows what happens if Toronto again rests Kawhi. But then Detroit has to go on a five-game road trip. And then, the, then that's where that March 28th game with the Magic comes up. And, and so, that's always a hard one, too, when you come back from the West Coast. So a great time for the Magic to catch them. And I know we'll talk about the playoff jockeying for position. We've got plenty of time right. for it. But, but I think the team to watch, and they're ahead of us right now, so obviously we have to watch them. But I feel like Charlotte's going to fade. I think that Miami is the team that we have to eclipse here. I would actually, I, I, I do agree. I think Charlotte will fade, but actually, I think the team that will really, really fade is Brooklyn because Brooklyn didn't play last night. However, they have a very, very interesting schedule. They play in Atlanta today, this Saturday, and then they, uh, they host Detroit, and then they go on a seven game road trip. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, here's who they face on the seven-game road trip. Oklahoma City, Utah, the Clippers, the Kings, the Lakers, the Blazers, and then finish it off with the Sixers. And, oh, yeah, you have to come back and play three games against Boston, Milwaukee, and Toronto. Woof. So, you know, we're looking at the standings here, and Brooklyn is three games in front of the Magic. I actually think by the end of March, the Magic should be in front of Brooklyn. Heck, by the end of two weeks from now, the Magic should be in front of Brooklyn. If the Magic take care of business, the only schedule win for Brooklyn in that long list of games, I think, is the Lakers. And then, that you know, is LeBron playing that one? Are they going to sit him out? But that's a tough road to hoe. Like, I really don't think Brooklyn's going to win two games on that seven-game trip. If they, if, sorry, if they win three, I think Kenny Atkinson should win Coach of the Year. <laughs> Let's just put it that way, because he's already done a heck of a job with them. If Brooklyn somehow makes the playoffs with how that schedule finishes off for them, I mean he it's it's gonna be it's gonna be ridiculous. But the Magic, I think, will catch Brooklyn. Looking at uh, Miami, um, you know, again they're a game in front of the Magic. Miami's won four games in a row. Both the Magic and Miami are six and four in their last ten games. But looking at Miami's schedule, it's a little bit more favorable for them. Um, they have. A, they're they're in the middle of a home stretch right now where they just beat Cleveland, but then they got Toronto, Detroit, Milwaukee, and Charlotte. So again, more uh, playoff jock, jockeying going around, and then they go on a four-game road trip uh, at Oklahoma City, at San Antonio, at Milwaukee, and in D.C. So before 
they uh, they host the Magic on again, again uh, coming on, back from a from a road trip, trip from a road yeah, trip. So, so the Magic the schedule is laying out to where there's a reason why um, you know sites sites like Five Thirty Eight have the Magic still kind of in the driver's position to actually get in the playoffs, but the Magic roster can't think about that. Just think about one game at a time and just take advantage of of the schedule that's laid out in front of you. They don't really need to be looking. They'll look, of course, right. but they don't really need to be looking at what the other teams are doing because they are going to start losing. What if I told you Disney didn't own every tale? That the best basketball stories actually reside in Orlando. Magical moments. A Penny and Pops production. Okay, Penny, it's story time. I'm excited. So for our first uh, magical moments, we're, we're going to go a little on, the, on one of our bigger ones, I'd say, uh, at least earlier in our, in our friendship, in our life. So let's lay it out. It is April 15th, 2006. Great year. I am 17 years old. Uh, I'm about a m- month away from graduating from Boone High School. Uh, you are still 16, so you're a junior at this point. And you and I decided to take whatever little money we had at that point and actually spend it on watching a Magic game. So the Magic were not great that year. They did not make the playoffs, but they were going on a little run. There was excitement building in Orlando. Dwight Howard was playing well, and we wanted to get prime seats for a weekend game. Yeah, and the Magic had actually, they were in the middle of a seven-game winning streak. They had not. Uh, they had. They were twenty and forty earlier in the season, and they went into that game uh, thirty-five and forty-four. And so, nice little run. A heck of a run to be on a seven-game winning that streak. This year. Yeah, if we do that this year, or if we do that over the next two weeks, I'll be quite thrilled. Yeah. Uh, but the Magic, they went from completely dead to they were actually still in the playoff hunt with three games to play. Uh, in that playoff hunt was their actual opponent, the Philadelphia 76ers. So your 05-06 Magic are coached by Brian Hill at the time. Mm-hmm. You have Otis Smith and Dave Twardzik as your co-GMs. Uh, we're not too pat- far past the, the Magic shipping off Steve Francis in that next trade that uh, cleared up cap space as well as bring, you know, brought in Trevor Ariza. And the Sixers, they, uh, they were coached by Mo Cheeks, and they had a, G- a general manager by the name of Billy King. Billy King. And so where where in the old arena, which it wasn't the arena, it was the TD Waterhouse, Waterhouse Center, Center at the time, Where, how far were we sitting? I'm going to say that we were, uh, if you remember the old arena, the first five rows, not folding chairs, but the first five rows were double-lettered rows. Yes. You, you double, double A, a double yeah. B, right? And then A. Double Ds, yeah. but yeah. So I would say we were in the first five rows of the single letter, so we were within 10 rows of the floor. Yeah, I, I want to say, yeah, say if if it wasn't within like seven, I think yeah. it, within 10 rows is yeah. right there, and we were... Settling into our seats, and I think, uh, at least for me, you know, you go around the old concourse at the old arena. We always did a lap. You gotta I, do a lap. Check I hit, it out. I hit the old uh, barbecue truck. Uh, Johnny Rivers. Yeah, that Johnny Rivers stand was very underrated and very good for 
any type of meal, honestly, at that bourbon point. chicken. Yeah, but so you you know you go in, and for us at the time, we've sat close to the floor, but you're excited, right? You go each step, you take down to the lower bowl. The excitement builds a little bit more, and you get settled into your seats. And you had leg room there too, because they just did the renovation. It was real nice. Before that game, actually, that was the closest I'd ever sat before. Was was that game? So I, I can't remember how much we spent on tickets. I want to say maybe seventy bucks, maybe. I, we got a pretty good deal, I thought. Regardless of what we spent, an investment well worth it. So we settle into the seats, and all of a sudden, we're getting our bearings. We're getting our bearings. We look around. People are filing in, and we look behind us, and who do we see? Uh, Billy King and two women that looked like hookers, basically. Now, can you, can you use the word harem for two women? I don't know if you can, but in this instance, I think you should. They looked like... And, you know, for International Women's Day that just happened yesterday, I just want to say that we're, uh, we're coming. We still have a feminist viewpoint, but these, these two women looked like women who were impressed by the fact that this man was an NBA general manager. Is that fair to say? Yes. And I look, I'm not going to say what I'm not going to say somebody is something based on what they wear, but these women were definitely like high end escorts. I I'm just going to say that. Billy King had zero to less than zero discretion. Uh, he we're, was on we're living, cell phone. We're living in a pre-Twitter era at right. this point. Like Facebook and MySpace were still duke, duking it out at this point. Let's basically. say that he was planning for the post game during the entirety of the game that was happening, and we were privy to the entire conversation. And you know what? I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they weren't his escorts. Maybe he was just keeping them entertained for one of his players. Who he knows? He was smiling like the like a man who knew that after bungling the Philadelphia 76ers opportunity, he would get a chance to bungle the Brooklyn Nets. That's opportunity too. Yeah, and I think he actually lost the Philly GM job a little over a year after this, uh, maybe like a year and a half after. So, uh, but anyway, so on to the game a little bit. Uh, this was Dwight Howard's coming out party. This is the end of his sophomore season, and he records 28 points and 26 rebounds. Now, he, to this point, the game of his career. Yeah, and I mean, it was a career high for him in rebounds, and it was, I guess, his season high tying 28 points that he scored. 10 of 19 from the free throw line, which not not ideal, but uh, you know, I'll whatever. It's Dwight at this point, but and he only took 14 shots in the game, which is absurd. But I'm going to tell you what the Magic starting lineup was. So Jameer Nelson, 21 points in this game. Uh, Carlos Arroyo, who the Magic had gotten off from the Detroit trade, uh, he was uh, injured. He was out. He was out. I think he had missed like his fourth straight game at this point. Uh, Brian Hill, in typical Brian Hill fashion, went with an eight-man rotation. Uh, but along with uh, D- Dwight and Jameer, Deshaun Stevenson with the start, uh, he had eight points. Tony Batie, eight points. And then uh, Mr. Hito Turkoglu with 23 points. He he had an Im- immense showing that night. Um, and then you looked at the bench. They gave Darko Milicic a shout-out last game. But again, he proved fairly respectable in this game. He, he had eight points on actually what was a Fairly subpar shooting game for him, four of eleven in his Magic tenure. I think that was back. Was that back when he still played with the uh, post All Star break tan from when he fell asleep on the beach? <laughs> it might have been an Evan Fournier classic he it fashion. Back, yeah. He brought it back, but um, yeah, Keon Dueling, rough game for him. He was 0-6 from the field, and the eighth man was uh, Trevor Ariza from that Steve Francis trade. That was before Trevor Ariza started shooting threes and then winning championships and killing for LA. And, and killing the Magic yeah. in the 9 finals. So this was before Stan Van Gundy was like, "Ah, oh, Trevor can't shoot. I got to get rid of him." So, 
But the Magic, uh, we're going up against Philly, obviously. They were coached by Mo Cheeks. Uh, Allen Iverson, 36 points. I, th- I, I can't remember if he averaged the most points against the Magic more than any other team, but it definitely feels like it oh, yeah. based off of, I mean, he's had a 60-point game against the Magic. And he's I had like a 50-pointer, I think. If I remember this Philly lineup correctly, <laughs> this was the start of positionless basketball, right? Or something like it? <laughs> or God knows what, because... Or log jams? Because uh, Stephen Hunter was, was starting next to Samuel D'Alembert. Right. Stephen Hunter who Magic fans may or may not remember, was god-awful in his Magic tenure. Uh, he actually had a fairly respectable game. He had 12 points in the game. Samuel D'Alembert, who uh, Pat Garrity would murder, uh, not in this game, but in a different game. But <laughs> Samuel D'Alembert, he had a rough going. So you have twin towers at the four and the five. Naturally, your starting small forward for that game for the Philadelphia 76ers was... Uh, Chris Webber. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he had 20 points and 11 rebounds, so he, he played well, but that is a beefy and lineup. The, yeah, and the shooting guard again, Andre Iguodala, who not known, so not known for shooting threes, and obviously the three was not the shot that it is today, but zero floor spacing for that lineup. And the Magic, this, this game was tight the whole way, Ray, basically, but particularly in the fourth quarter, like the Magic... They ended up winning this game 102-97. And I distinctly remember the play of the game was Dwight Howard at the free throw line. I think he made the first free throw, and then the second free throw he misses, gets his own rebound, and puts it in for a very unorthodox three-point play. Yeah, very fun. Uh, and that was literally a playoff atmosphere. Like I distinctly remember like the fat guy in one of his sequin shirts like is going crazy. Because, like, I mean, look, we're trying to win eight games in a row. We literally were 20 games under 500 not that long ago in the season, and here we are, another win away from eight straight wins and being in the hunt to possibly chasing down and getting an eighth spot. And again, to that point in our lives and in our fandom, probably one of the best regular season atmospheres and games that we've ever attended, we're, we're elated. The oh, buzzer yeah. goes off, we're having a great time, and then it gets better. Well, so so throughout the game, I'm going to be honest. I mean, I'm 17, you're 16. Billy's got one girl on each side of him sitting down next right. to you know, next to him. I'm taking a peek back each time. Like, is he really here with like these women just for just out of the blue? I, like, like he doesn't care. So he's so throughout the game, I'm going back and forth. As you mentioned, after the buzzer, like we're later, we're yeah. ready to like run out of the stadium and. Something catches our eye. Let's say that. Um, there's papers on the ground next, yeah. like where Billy King's sitting. Cause under, he's, under where his feet were. Yeah. Like I knew he's, you know, a couple rows behind us and I knew where he was sitting. And so I immediately just out of pure instinct, just go and grab these papers. Cause I, I don't know. It looks like there's like maybe box scores on the ground. Heck, maybe I was looking for a scouting report. I don't know. And let's set the stage too for what we found. So you, as you know, as a, as a credentialed media member and also for, for coaching staff and for you know premium guests, uh, the Magic Game Operations folks will, at the end of each quarter, they will print a running box score. Right. There's several copies, so they get distributed to media members. They, you know, depending on who's there, if there's any people from like a front office or scouting department, etc. So, throughout the game, I noticed that there was somebody. I might have. It must have been like a Philly person because it wasn't any of the typical Magic people we would recognize, but. That were running on a um, dead sprint up to the row directly behind us. <laughs> that was running up uh, pieces of paper up the Billy King that I could only assume wore box scores right. for each quarter, halftime, etc. And so on one of the sheets that I picked up, and a couple of them wore box scores, but on one of them, 
Um, Billy King has is had written on this on this box score, and it didn't take you and I long enough to realize. Oh, he's voting on end of season uh, re- uh, regular season re- awards in right. the NBA. As we, as we mentioned, this game happened in April, so the season is winding down. Only a couple games left in the season, and he wanted to get a jump on uh, this. I think this was before all the voting ballots were made public, so he wanted to get a jump on on making his selections, and we were lucky enough to find them in advance. Yeah, we're so yeah, we're literally less than a week away from the end of the regular season, and so I guess he wanted to tally up what he was what he was thinking from a, a war, you know awards perspective. And hey, the man clearly can multitask because he's watching the his Sixers lose. He's got two women next to him, and at the same time, he's writing down uh, who he thinks should win what awards. So. We're going to go over what Billy had written, and we're going to post this on Twitter. This the sheet isn't fabricated. This is really, yeah, I really hope you've hung around for this episode, and please check it out on Twitter. But um, So Rookie of the Year, he had Chris Paul. No complaints there. Um, we'll, we'll say all his stuff, and we'll, we'll yeah. compare it here in a yeah. second. But uh, MVP, Steve Nash, which this would have been his second MVP. Um, and then Defensive Player of the Year, he actually had two names down. He had Bruce Bowen, and he had former Magic man Ben Wallace, who obviously was dominating for the Pistons at that time. He didn't cross him out, so he had Bowen on top of Ben Wallace, so I'm assuming he went Bruce Bowen. Right. Um, And then he actually had the All-NBA first team. He has Chauncey Billups, Steve Nash, Tim Duncan, Kobe Bryant, uh, and then the controversial one, he has Sheed, and then he crosses out Rasheed Wallace's name. And puts Dirk next to it. Can you imagine if he did that in front of Rasheed Wallace? <laughs> it wouldn't have gone too well, but I don't think Billy King would have would have cared at that point. I, it, Billy King isn't a guy who really would intimidate, I don't think. But, I mean, he's been in, in front office positions for a very long time. And so uh, we're going to actually compare uh, Billy's vote uh, voting choices. So he got both Rookie of the Year and uh, MVP correct. So he got Chris Paul. He got Steve Nash. He hedged himself on Defensive Player of the Year, so he was technically right. It was Ben Wallace. Ben Wallace is one of his guys, but he did have Bruce Bowen over him, and I'm assuming he voted Bruce Bowen because he did get a, a decent amount of, of votes in that, in that award chase. Yeah, well, if anything, we learned that Billy King thought that he could vote for two people at one time all throughout that game. I guess so. So, And then uh, All-NBA First Team. So he got Kobe. He got Steve Nash. He got Dirk, actually, after he crossed out uh, Rashid, but he missed LeBron and he missed Shaq. So, you so know, he Chauncey had... Billups so Chauncey Duncan, Billups and Tim Duncan didn't, didn't they make both it ended up on, they, uh, on the second yeah. team. So, not bad overall. Right. So. so I think the moral of the story is when you, when you purchase good seats at a game, number one, you're going to want to look everywhere except for the court to figure out who is sitting around you that might be famous. And number two, you're wanna you're gonna want to scrounge for anything that they leave behind so that you can upload it to Twitter and talk about it for ten minutes on podcast. And I I will take uh, eBay auction uh, request there too. So that's our first magical moment story. So moving on to our last bit, we are going to discuss who the uh, ninth member of the Magic Hall of Fame should be. Again, congratulations, David Steele, you're the man. So, Penny, I'm actually, but before we go through the list, I am going to remind everybody what the eight people are. So, I already said David Steele, but Pat Williams and Nick Anderson were the first two to get in in 2014. Shaq went in in 2015. Rich DeVos in 2016. 
Penny Hardaway and Jimmy Hewitt. Jimmy Hewitt being one of the original owners and founders, basically, of the team back in 2017. And Tracy McGrady in 2018. So four players and then four kind of historical stewards of the franchise. Yes. So I'm going to actually have you go first. So I want you to go from five to one on so your five, list. Five being least likely of the five and, and number first, one who's most likely to get inducted and this, next year and this is next so right. who's going to be the ninth person so it won't be dwight howard because he's an active player right. um and so i'm gonna have you go first if we crisscross we'll, i'm sure we'll, we'll we'll match it but we'll navigate as we go so who's your fifth so guy? i i think that one of the people who could be next is dennis scott Played seven years, was all-rookie, first team, obviously 3D, had a restaurant, had a culture, cultural currency, yeah. has uh, you know become uh, come back into the organizational fold. He's been hosting a lot of the Instagram stuff and a lot of the magic specials. He works for NBA TV, so he's still relevant. Uh, also has children basketball camp rant <laughs> stories, so that's why I have him fifth on my list. So he's not on my list, no. maybe partially because of that, but uh, he's actually not on my list. He's, Pay him his money. He's going to get in eventually, just not right now. Uh, my number five is kind of a joke, but um, I actually have Patricio Garino number five, uh, ah. as well as uh, his agent or whoever took the whiteboard photo that basically got Rob Hennigan fired. Uh, this is basically on a best-case scenario where – if let's say the Magic make the playoffs and go on like an immense run and win the championship somehow by the grace that of God, that was the rock bottom that vaulted us back um, in the right direction. I would get, I would give Patricio Garino, and like, it's going to be a picture of him in the whiteboard, like you know how they do, like those beautiful pedestals, yeah. which are amazing if you've never seen them in the Amway Center. Like they have like photos of each person or like memorable moments of them on the pedestals or statues or whatever you want to call them. It's going to be just Patricio Garino. With with Rob Hunnigan on the with the whiteboard in the background or whatnot, so I like it. Um, so that's my number five. Who's yeah. your number four? Number four, uh, Jameer Nelson, and I think everyone knows his accolades for the franchise and what he's meant. He's also no longer uh, technically no longer an active player in the NBA. So the technicality is why he is technically not on my top five because he hasn't officially retired yet, even though his son is about to go to St. Joe's University. <laughs> he's, he's actually dunking in high school right he now. He looks real good. He looks good. So maybe that could be something the Magic look to in the very near future. But uh, I, actually, I actually think there's a slight chance the Magic might actually sign Jameer as a backup point guard. I don't know if you'd be on board with it. It's just... We already have DJ Augustine. Do you want another second point guard? I don't know. I'm sure Hammond and Weltman don't. But for a playoff run and to kind of get the Magic fan base behind, you know, a little extra rallied up, I think it'd be good. Yeah. I mean, he basically plays like DJ Augustine does. You know, he's not as mobile as Augustine, but I he can still shoot it if given opportunity, and he he can run that offense easily in my mind. But he's not on my list, so. My number four is Paul Porter, uh, PA announcer Paul Great Porter. Choice, yeah. Um, Since the inception of the franchise. Yeah, he's still forever one of, if not the best, uh, public address announcer in the NBA. We, uh, I, I do have a question for you, though. Yeah. Who, uh, who retires first between Paul and David Steele? Oh, that's a good question. See, I, I don't know if fans appreciate Paul Porter as much as we do. No, they don't. But... For the longest time, Mr. Paul Porter, he he uh, commutes to to work, right? Mm -hmm. He lives in Tampa, so yeah. I would say that 
my vote would be on sadly him retiring before David Steele. That's a long drive to make. I'm with you on it. Yeah, I it's he's been doing it a long time. He also does Tampa Bay Lightning games for hockey, and so and they're actually still good. Yeah, and they've been mostly good, and I'm sure hockey's literally what's been keeping him sane. Yeah, to to take the long I four drive to Magic games. So, uh, but I I do think they're actually. I think the next person that gets in is going to be a player, or they might do it where they've done some of the other years where it's both another like public figure and a player, but I think the next person is going to be a player, but we'll see. Uh, who's your next person? So third most likely, I'm going to go with uh, another player, Daryl Armstrong, who we just saw last night. Obviously, nine years with the team, one most improved player, one sixth man, used to work at a yarn factory, had a layup in a slam dunk contest. He really did it all. He played in Cyprus, where no one plays in Cyprus. He played in like Owned second. a mustard yellow coat. I think he played in like second division Spanish basketball league. Um, and so he's actually number one on my list. Uh, Daryl, I mean, he's he's Mr. Hard and Hustle. Right. He is. Between him and Bo Outlaw, I mean, Daryl is Mr. Hard and Hustle. One of the favorite teams he is, of all time. He is the original Flash. It's not Dwayne Wade. Daryl Armstrong, back in the day, was called Flash before Dwayne Wade existed. Yeah. So... Uh, he won, you know, most improved player and sixth man of the year in 98, 99 in the same, you know, in that same 50 game lockout season where he played all 50 games. He only, he only started like about a dozen of them. So he qualifies for six man, but at age 30 to win those awards, I mean, and the road that he traveled. To get yeah, there, yeah. I mean, he goes from this guy wearing that, that wearing like these banana yellow suits during like the finals run in 95 and like Shaq and Penny are vouching for him to get in the dunk contest. Um, you know, he goes from that to he's the captain of the team. He's one of the best players in that stretch. I mean, you, I think about the 97 playoff run where it's Daryl's playing point guard and they, and Richie Adubato moves Penny Hardaway to, to shooting guard. And that's a big reason why we almost completed that comeback against yeah. the heat in 97. Um, but Daryl's also second all time in, in steals on the team, third in assists, Fifth in games played, sixth in three pointers made, which that still kind of surprised me a little bit. And he's tenth in points, so he's kind of hanging in there on points perspective. And he never got the recognition in the old building with the banners. No, when they kind of started their first run and trying to. So I think he is due for. So he's actually my first guy. Yeah. Um, and also his son apparently is playing ball at Windermere High School. So actually, I coached his son one day. He <laughs> yeah. was good then. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Um, so. I guess uh, you picked you 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 brought Daryl to the table, so I'll come up with what my number three is. That's Dennis Newman, a great call, uh, Magic Another Radio play by play guy. So we have our former radio, now TV play by play guy, and David Steele, and his replacement is uh, is Dennis Newman. Who, if you obviously look, people are going to watch games on TV, but if you're ever in your car and just, you can't get in front of a TV, just turn to tune into the game. And especially on a magic road game, when it's just Dennis, it's very hard to keep to be very entertaining when you're by yourself calling something for two and a half hours. I mean, I'm barely doing a bad job with you as my partner. And so, um, no I, question he's one of the best in the NBA. And the only caveat I had that kept him from being on my list is that, you know, David Steele had the 30-year tenure that was yeah. celebrated this year, and Dennis Newman's a few years behind. And I think that's why maybe Paul Porter would get in right. above uh, Dennis just because of the tenure thing. But 
Dennis should and will get in, and I think Dennis is going to keep going for longer than both David and Paul. I that's, do too. That's my mind. So who's the next person on your list? I, I've only got one person left. Right. At my so number two. I, number two, kind of a joke, but not really. Uh, I think Stuff the Magic Mascot might be inducted into the Hall of Fame. He is reigning two-time, three-time He's won awards, mascot yeah. of the year. I, I didn't even think about that. Now he has the he has the uh, the street cred of helping Aaron Gordon to one of the most memorable dunk contests of all time. He's got a lot of great photo ops that they can put on that uh, display. Yeah. So here's a fun thought that I thought about the ceremony. If they did that, though, yeah. how many stuffs have there been in Magic history? Is, is it is it three, four, five? Like, is it more, like it's not that absurd? No, I think so. We're I want to know. Five. So I want to know how many suits. Yeah. Both historic and present exist. Great question. When you induct stuff, can you induct six of them on the same? Like when like Alex Martins has to give out like these trophies or whatever. I want to induct fat stuff. Fat dark, stuff. Fat, dark green. So fat stuff yeah. on the power yeah. ranking is above regular oh, yeah. stuff. And blue, uh, blue and white ignite stuff, distant third. Ah, see, ah, he, he's up there for me. I like the blue, man. Oh. It's, I know, I know, you got to go green, but yeah. Especially since now that we haven't been to the playoffs in seven years, I think that if you have blue stuff would be amazing even right now. So I'm actually looking forward to stuff. But that's actually a really, really good pick. Um, So I'm going to go with my last guy on my list. So number two, because my number one was Daryl Armstrong, but number two for me is Hito Turkoglu. Another great call and another guy who celebrated, clearly beloved by the organization and the and the decision makers in the organization. And Hito's already vouched to like Dante Marcatelli to get in and right. whatnot. So it, it's going to happen. Um, put all like current political affiliations aside with the with Turkey and and whatnot. Um, he de- he from a from a player perspective and look the end was was awful for him how 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 the how his time with the magic ended but it still doesn't take away everything he did before that he's the 2007 2008 most improved player award winner you know he started all 82 games that year that's the year that he should have been an all-star that Absolutely, he wasn't right because then he fell off a little bit in the 0809 season that you know Dwight was an all-star Richard Lewis was an all-star yeah. Jameer was even an all-star yeah. obviously even though he couldn't play and Rashard was an injury replacement, but you know because Hito's regular season wasn't that great. You know he did turn it off in that playoff run. But 07-08, Hito should have been an All Star. He averaged 19 and a half points per game, 5.7, 5.7 rebounds per game, five assists per game on 45.6 percent field goal shooting, 40 exactly three point shooting, and he should have done it. I mean he's. He's a big reason why we went on that 09 finals run. He's sixth all time in games played. He's fourth all time for the Magic in threes made. Sixth in rebounds, sixth in assists, seventh in points. And Vooch recently passed him in a couple of those categories to not knock him down a, a peg or two. Um, but he he's going to get in eventually. It it may be sooner than we think, but Give me your last guy. So my last guy, and I don't know if this is possible or not. I guess it's not possible to induct a mascot, but I'm going to go with Alex Martins. And I think that it might be time for a little political currency, a little self-congratulations. We'll see what the progress is on the entertainment center. We'll see what the progress is on other team-affiliated buildings. He's got to, you know, up his image again after some of the recent UCF stuff that went on with the board of trustees. And I think it might be... It might coincide with a future All-Star Game announcement. Yeah, I'm hoping for, what, 2022, 2023, right. somewhere around there. And, you know, I, 
I don't know. I, I also want to see him present the award to himself. I just think that would be good. <laughs> That'd be so appropriate. I think he's got so much more time with this team in one manner or another. Like he already gave up. Maybe they'll fly. They'll get Stan Van Gundy back from L.A. Uh, off the set of the jump to present Alex Martins with the uh, with the honor. And Stan is going to get in as well eventually. But I think yeah. because Stan is maybe still potentially going to coach again, that he's not going to get in right now. But that's our list. I mean, I still stand by. I think Daryl's going to be next. Um, a great choice. He, he, like I said, I think it's going to be a player. But I, I look. Most people want Alex Martin's out of this team franchise forever. But he's actually done great stuff off the basketball court for the team, yeah. for the community, and he's hands off on basketball wise. It's been Hammond and Weltman now for about two years, basically, and so. It, it's a good pick. I, I I think it's going to be down the line for, for Martins, though, but we'll see. So uh, that's the end of our segment for that, and uh, we are pretty much done with this show. So, again, we appreciate you listening to the podcast. Uh, if you can, please uh, rate, subscribe, uh, leave a review, and uh, get our numbers up, get our uh, attention and notoriety up. Penny, what's your uh, what's your Twitter handle? At Spencer Strode, and please check out Adams to see the Billy King documentation. Yeah, and I'll be posting it. You know, once I I, I tweet out the the episode, I'll have the pictures tied to it as well. And uh, you can follow me at Papa Giorgio MBO. And with that, go Magic. Take care, and just win. Get out the way. Get out the way.